Thank you for joining Two Daves in the Dock. My name is Dave Graham, and I'm joined by David Pollard and Colin Keough. Today, we're going to be talking about the why, the what, and the how of pursuing your PhD. Let's jump right into the conversation. This may end up being the introduction right here where I go, oh, ladies and gentlemen, at the top of your screen or to the side of it, depending on how this video is formed, is David Pollard, the ginger, I don't know, dude, you got to end it there. (laughs) (laughs) And also joining us myself, Dave Graham, the other Dave, this is two Daves and one Doc, and (laughs) the Doc part of this equation that makes us all look a lot smarter. Oh, wait. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. is Dr. Keough, Dr. Colin Keough, who is principally responsible for getting us into this mess to begin with. So that- I take full blame and responsibility for everything that happens from this point forth regarding the two of you and your academic journeys, Absolutely. if it's successful. Well, and everybody else that we bring along for the ride, because this truly is, I got to choose my cultural idiom here very, very carefully, but whoever we bring along for this journey into academia and whatnot. Anyway, thank you for joining us today. This is two Daves, one doc, doctor being Dr. Colin Keogh. And you are experiencing live, well, relatively live, maybe asynchronous to that, the joys and travails of starting out your PhD or some level of advanced academic development. So with that, Mr. Pollard, I would have you introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and why you decided to be (laughs) with us today. Yeah, well, like you're saying, I think Colin has uh, a lot to answer for in terms of where we are at the moment and why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, But yeah, I guess my background in academia and education has been uh, littered with mishaps and uh, some some interesting results. Uh, One being the fact that I managed to complete a full module of my bachelor's and get one out of 100 in a full in a full semester modules that was you know a pinnacle that I didn't think I'd reach again so it's good to be here it's good to be here and being able to you know hopefully at least accomplish that again or a little bit more if I can be lucky uh, but yeah my background is hopefully is, more hopefully more hopefully more a little bit anyway kicking and, and screaming uh, at least yeah <laughs> I might even write my second name on it this time around and uh, yeah so teaching and learning is the area that I'm working in uh, as well as working in the area of inclusivity and uh, supporting people with different challenges in education things like that so that's been really fun and of course myself and Colin work together for my sins as well which is which is great so I'm trying to bring all the worlds together and design education and inclusive technologies and, and that element and hopefully then wrap it up into what will be I don't know what we're saying, Colin. Eighty-three thousand words uh, by the end of it. I think that's where I'm where I'm hoping to go. So it'll be an interesting interesting journey, and um, I suppose from a personal level as well. I'm kind of keen to to try and prove a few people wrong along the way that uh, you know I think it's it's possible to do education in in multiple different ways, not just in the kind of perfect arch that we're kind of used to seeing in a lot of stories so i think it'll be nice to to kind of get there and, and see how it goes and hopefully be able to, to share that journey a little bit as well as we go along i mean that's what this is all about so i'll, I'll go second then i'm gonna we'll dump on the dock at the end here uh so i'm dave graham i'm the token yank of this entire situation here 
Um, I've also had the misfortune of being involved in this because of Dr. Keo. It started with a guy that was shit posting in a seminar that I was attending <laughs> way back at Trinity College last that year. Was Nate. That was that, that was, was Colin. Um, wondering who is this guy and why is he saying stuff, um, which led to beers with Jakio, Dr. Keo, in the Lombard, if I recall correctly. And um, actually the journey kind of continued from there, which has been incredible. So I've been blessed for the company truly. Um, And then a long winding car ride back from Terry and having conversations about why PhDs matter, which they do in in, in grand scheme of things. So um, the area of my study is in marginalized communities, trust and emerging technologies. And however that's going to end up looking um, tends to be buzzword heavy at this point, and I have not changed my question yet, but really kind of looking at aspects of trust and dynamics of trust between technology and, uh, and communities in general, right? Why do people burn 5G towers? It's really an ostensible question at this point is you can't trust, you know, these companies to do things, but there's, there's a method behind the madness. So, um, I think similarly, I've, I've gone through my bachelor's, I've gone through my master's, both in clinical psychology and it's been fascinating to work with people. And that's really what this is about. I think, you know, even in the context of this conversation and everything that David's focusing on and I'm focusing on and Colin focused on, it's really, it's really around people and what we do. And the benefit of even the program that we're all involved in is that idea of inclusivity. It's that idea that what we're doing will transform society at some level, whether it be to a smaller population or a larger population. Um, I think there's just a lot of fundamentals in that. And that's really kind of what you know, it got me involved in this. I want to do things for people. And this seems to be an avenue where maybe it lends a little bit more credibility in the grand scheme of things. Um, and maybe it allows me to be exposed to different ways of life, different worldviews, different ideologies that I wouldn't necessarily have considered. I mean, I work in tech. It's very insular, if you will. We like to talk about the things that matter to us, not necessarily what matters to the people that are out there. So that's, that's my journey. Dr. Keo. So point number one, my name is Colin. (laughs) No, thank you very much. So that typifies the point. So I am a, I am a car mechanic at heart, you know, that's what I am. So there's no very few car mechanics in the world that you will call doctor anything. But um, yeah, so like my journey was similar to you two in a kind of strange convoluted road. I went from the, the lofty aspirations of not knowing how to read until I was four or five years old, mainly because I was lazy. Nothing really changed there. And um, so I had a very kind of tumultuous journey with education as I was growing up. I have a I vivid memories of a Bart Simpson pencil case full of letters that I despise. It caused years of suffering for me and my poor mother to eventually teach me to read. And then I rewarded her by not reading recreationally, which is brilliant. Thanks, well done, sorry mother. But um, because my father was a car mechanic, I was always exposed to fixing things and repairing things and in that sort of space. So I loved like most of the kind of stereotypical little boy, loved cars and boats and planes and tractors and anything that moved and had engines and that sort of stuff. So as I was going through school, I always took the path of least resistance. I'd find out what I'd need in a certain exam and I'd do exactly just that. I liked work to have meaning and impact from a very early age. If I could not see how it was going to be useful in some way, I it was it was a struggle to do. So transferred all through that, did a normal enough leaving cert, no nothing special there. 
and went to UCD in Dublin and studied mechanical engineering. Did my undergrad in mechanical engineering, transitioned, I, and I never wanted to continue. That was it. After the undergrad, I was like, no more education for me, and then immediately went into a master's and did a master's in renewable energy systems, and uh, that was the end of education again. So I went into academic R&D and was working there on kind of large corporate and European Union research projects at that stage, mainly in energy. Found my way into the startup world. So I've had four or five startups now, acted as a kind of technical advisory. And I just, as of like six months ago, I finished my PhD. So I did my PhD on um, advanced innovation methods. So assessing modern forms of innovation methods. So design thinking, for example, and making them more applied and more accessible to more people around the world to increase the innovation potential of people in society as a whole. So yeah, very kind of multifaceted, integrating technology, startups, engineering, community, society, and impact-led work. And that has led me to the finishing the PhD and has been the root cause of meeting you two lovely gentlemen and all the other troublesome trouble that I got into over the years. Troublesome trouble. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna use that multiple times now. Troublesome trouble. So I that explains a little bit how we got here. I mean, that that's always important, right? You got to start your journey someplace. I, you know, David, I love the journey from education <laughs> into this space and really kind of trying to make it better. I mean, we all have the, we've all looked asconce at, at education to a certain extent, right? Like Colin, you mentioned it as well. I don't want to do this <laughs> more. Why, why do I need to do this more? So I think, you know, part of this is we want to define what a PhD is. I mean, there's PhD, there's JD, there's MD, there's a whole bunch of things with D at the end of it. And so why does a PhD matter? Maybe that's the first place we start. And then what, what is it truly? I mean, it's a doctor of philosophy, but it's kind of heady stuff. We're not talking about Heidegger here. You know, we're talking about something else. So open to the floor. I mean, I'm, I can fill in places where I need to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. From, from someone as well starting it, that's probably where I can come in and talk about my perspective. And it was something over the last little while I've been lecturing with the National College of Ireland and with uh, Trinity College and others in different elements um, at different times. And I think one of the things that I realized is that at a certain point, you know, you can have the experience in corporates, you can have experience in startups, you can have the kind of real world experience, but at a certain point you do hit a, um, a ceiling within those elements, especially within universities and those things. And to kind of, like you mentioned, that credibility adds a little bit of that to it. I think it's important to follow on and to be seen as I don't know if I like the word expert because I don't think anyone can really claim that, you know, there's so much going on and so little time to, to learn about it, but to become someone who is immersed in a particular topic that you can comfortably talk and discuss and to get people to think on a, on a critical level about it. I think that's something that this allows you to do. It allows you to explore. It gives you a reason to explore, I think as well. And not only opens up that space, but it, lights a bit of a fire under you because you know that your supervisor's coming after you going you know have you got that done and I think we're at the moment Dave doing our annotated bibliography and we'll go into that <laughs> a little bit further uh, maybe not in this one but in future ones and I think basically that's what a PhD is it's all about immersion and for me that's been something that's been so crucial to me so like Colin 
um, I was coming in from a, a different career path. It was, uh, I was a construction worker. Uh, so we were renovating old estate houses in the, the countryside here in Ireland. And I did that for four or five years after my, uh, my degree and then went back into a master's in teaching and learning, which was, you know, a little bit ironic because I wasn't the best student the first time around, but it allowed me to reflect on where things hadn't gone maybe right for me the first time around. And I use right, you know, from a traditional sense. But from, from there, what actually started me in, in terms of startups and that ecosystem as well in the design and innovation space was purely by immersing myself into those ecosystems, like with the startup weekends, the startup weeks, which are all ways to kind of collaborate and to really be doers. And I think that's why the smart labs has always appealed to me because they're very much about doers, not just about the research. I think that's a very exciting uh, piece to be involved with. So for me, this is just building on that immersion, you know, providing myself with a reason and a motivation um, that it's not just, of course, you have the personal things and you want to do things in different ways and you've got external motivators and things like that. But for me, it's all about how do I learn more? How do I get better? And it's by doing and it's by surrounding yourself like with yourselves and others who are involved in the program. And that to me is what a PhD is about. And of course, then you come out of it. And like Colin, you have uh, different letters and stuff that you can use. <laughs> but that's not the important part. It's, yeah. you know, career progression, immersion, learning, and, and that's that's where I'm hoping to to get to. Yeah, I've already been told uh, by somebody that I'm not going to call you doctor. I'm like, oh, you know, that that's fine. There, my, my father was a medical doctor, so he's got the MD part done. You know? <laughs> I think I think it's absolutely, you know, Dave, you know, from my perspective as well, it's, you know, the reason why I want to do this, out, you know, is natural curiosity. I mean, I think there's an element, you know, um, we can be a jack of all trades and a master of none to a certain extent, right? We get a lot of that undergrad. I mean, if we chart an academic journey, you're really, you're going very broad and by the rest of your time in academia, you're spending a lot of time trying to get as narrow as possible. So you become a very, you know, I think Colin, actually this is coming out of your mouth and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but you become a very, very knowledgeable expert about one tiny, tiny slice of reality that, that, that resembles that resembles your passion or should resemble your passion, your purpose, your intent, your, you know, the thing that excites you, what you get up for in the morning, or maybe it changes again. And we, I think we've all seen that business card with five PhDs after it, you know, like, what is it you do around here again? <laughs> you know, um, there's always that pursuit of curiosity. I think that's, again, it's very, very similar to you. Like the reason why I wanted to do this outside of the natural encouragement from other smart individuals like yourself, wise people, I would say more than, more than smart. Um, is it really kind of hone in on that? Where does that, where's that intersection of what I do and what I love? Um, you know, passion and purpose, uh, a potential, a calling, or if you will, you know, to use some odd phrases there, but really seeing where that happens. And it does open doors. It's, you've always had that mystique. Maybe if you've seen people, oh, some, such and such PhD, like, wow, you suddenly give, you know, without even realizing maybe you already assign a token amount of respect to that person because maybe they're, they're whatever. But it's not that part that's ex that's exhilarating or exciting. It's the part that hey, I spent the time to figure this stuff out. You know, I went and read uh, my current kick right now is reading a gentleman named David Niemer who researched favelas in Brazil and in ICTs, and it's incredible. But you're seeing this guy talk about these things, and it's exciting. And you find that groundswell and like, hey, what if I could do that? And what if I learn more? So that's at least my perspective on it, Colin. Yeah, same thing. It's a, the, the like so a traditional description of a PhD you'll get is a focused, in-depth examination and a course of research on a specific topic, and that really has been the way it's been operating for hundreds of years now. 
you know, tra a traditional PhD structure from, you know, the era of Darwin is relatively unchanged to, to the way it is now. Now, there's advantages and disadvantages to, for, to that, but it has to kind of start to change, and it is starting to change. So, like, the program that I've just finished and you two guys are just starting on is more impact-led, so it's all human-focused. So all of the work has to have some sort of tangible, short, medium, and long-term benefit to other humans, you know, make the world a better place. And, you know, some traditional courses of PhD study don't do that. Maybe they're too niche. Maybe they're too specialist. Maybe they're, they just operate in isolation to itself. So, you know what I mean? It's the it, the the... the the world around academia is kind of changing. And to kind of echo a point, Dave, that you just said there was, you know, the jack of all trades and master of one. I like the addition to that statement that says very often more useful than the master of one. You know what I mean? So you just look in academia and research, interdisciplinarity is a huge thing. You know, each of the individual fields are nearly starting to run into the end stops in their own areas. Inspiration has maybe been tapped out. You know, all the traditional approaches have been tried already. So you need to pull inspiration from other fields and other areas. So, you know, that sort of in-depth study is your course of your PhD. But what all of us have done and you are doing and everyone on our program has ever done is focus on the impact and then expand out the course of the research to find a way to provide that impact while meeting all the traditional like, you know, milestones of a PhD, the publications, the thesis production, the focused kind of academic-based research. So it's a little bit of both, you know what I mean? And and kind of to echo what you said is the reason I did it in particular was is to focus on, you know, broadening out my understanding of the specific field. I wanted to work on innovation and I wanted to study it from an academic perspective. And then in, under that perspective, I got to include social impact, technology, business, all of these kind of what are large, quite, quite large areas and combine them into one individual course of study. You know what I mean? So a PhD is, a, is your own creation. You know, it's your kind of masterstroke of your work and everyone that does it on our program, it's their culmination of their kind of life's passion and life's work and everything that they've developed up to one particular point. So it's kind of like a, what is it? An opus day. It's your opus day. It's your masterpiece <laughs> created at the end. Yeah. I've you know, from what I've seen, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, I've seen, at least you show the picture of the bound book. That looks, you know, the, your bound thesis. It looks yeah. very opus-like. So, the goal at the end is a big old kind of lump yeah. of paper at the end and a large phone book-based publication <laughs> that you hope people will actually read. You know, hopefully it'll be useful to society. And, like, the idea is to make a small incremental improvement in the area of knowledge. You want to create new knowledge, new interest, new research, new study. And most people are going to make a little bump in their particular field. But that's the point. That's fine. That's the goal. Generating truly new insight is difficult. It takes time. It's complicated. So whenever anyone can achieve that, it deserves to be celebrated. And you celebrate it at the end with your graduation. You get your PhD. A graduation I have not had this year, unfortunately, due to COVID. So my graduation was a... I, an email that said congratulations you're graduated and I still haven't yet so like very anticlimactic but yeah that's the kind of the approach like and I hope what we're going to do with this kind of series is I'm re recently out of the process and you two guys are just starting it so it should be able to give really interesting perspectives of people that have been through it people that are going through it the joys and the miseries you can look forward to 
and all of the issues and hassle in between. Oh, wait, I didn't sign up for misery. What are you talking no, about? You signed up for a PhD. You definitely signed up for misery. I hate to tell you. <laughs> Sometimes it's enjoyable misery, but it's not going to be like, you know, it's the attainment rates quite low. Like, I think it's like in Ireland, I think it's like 8% or less, I think oh. 5% maybe of attainment of the general population have an, a higher advanced degree. So, you know, a PhD or something similar, doctorate of education. So it's rare and it's rare because it's difficult and it's hard and it takes an awful lot of effort and work, but I've found it massively useful. It's I have not once regretted it for a second and I don't think you two will either, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting to, to have a look at it. And I, I think one thing from, because we've known each other, you know, during nearly the whole course of your PhD or a good part yep. of a column. One of the things that I noticed, we've actually met at an event where you were uh, doing some, showing off some 3D printing to uh, a group of people who are working with the disabled community and supporting them. And it was interesting to know that like you could do something like that as part of you know your outreach and your dissemination and your kind of collaboration and, and work. And that that to me was was quite interesting because I my my conception kind of prior to that was of, of PhDs and people who were interested in research as very much insular, uh, you know, isolated and, you know, not outward facing, more, you know, inward facing. And I think to me, that's something that I'm looking to try and hopefully do. And I think that's something that we've all done, even working together, because uh, we have externally to all of this been very much outward facing in terms of how you make impact. And I think that's so important from my perspective is to try and integrate that in some way into it so that over the course of the next you know four to six years whatever it might be that I don't end up you know turning in on myself but that I keep that outward focus and try to you know make sure that whatever we're doing that it is impactful but also relates back and you can use it then for your research and you can use it as part of the, that impact that you're saying that you'd like to make as well so I'm curious to see how that works out and plays out especially given the current situation where, you know, you can't go out and run a workshop as easily as you would normally, yeah. but we can do something like this and connect. So that'll be curious. Yeah. When we start talking about the modalities, you know, from the later thing, you know, um, I think that'll become an interesting subject matter, right? You know, the, the interviews of your <laughs> are not around tables anymore. <laughs> They're around zoom calls. They're around using Qualtrics and Reddit. I mean, it's, you choose your choose your poison, right? You can get a lot of this stuff done. I think that's been intriguing. And similarly, you know, I've, I've been blessed to be able to start having conversations, you know, kind of half research, half passionate pursuit, right? With a lot of incredible people like yourselves and, you know, really asking around and, you know, figuring what motivates people and what, what goes on. And, and, and similar to you, Dave, you know, it's, it's seeing where people have taken passions and ideals and made them real, you know, whether it be through education. And you know, I've talked to some folks that have done education a lot later in life you know i'm in my 40s so i'm i think i'm the oldest of the three of us uh, you know so coming back in this but people are, are are living life they're experiencing like you say you, they've gone through these stages of life and they've discovered that maybe those doors need to be opened a different way you know there's something that they can do they can use their worldviews their experience and i think that's one of the things about our program particularly that was impressed upon us by Dr. Goodman, right? Your experiences carry enough weight to bring that kind of cachet to, to this program. Everybody that's a member of this hat comes from an incredibly diverse background. Like even the process of going through that, remember you're asked for your CV. What have you done <laughs> with what you've been given? 
And it's not that I had to be some super rock star doing something else and going up through the annals of, you know, the hall, the august halls of academia. It's I lived, I did, and now I can, and you know, now I'm doing this next phase and doing that. So maybe a little bit on the process. I mean, while we've got, while we've got the time today, you know, I think the process is pretty fascinating for this as well, because we've talked about it sort of circumstantially or circum, circum, circumvention. <laughs> I forget the word. I can't speak. We've kind of talked around it. We're going to go with that. (laughs) But the process of arriving at the decision to pursue a PhD is interesting, right? You know, there's that, uh, that catalyst, that catalytic moment where we kind of decide, Hey, maybe I should do this. Maybe this is a different thing for me. It was a car ride. Yeah. Truth be told, it was a car ride from Derry. Thank you, Colin. Thank you. And I, I survived to tell the tale. So, I mean, that's, that's the other benefit of that story, but so these these moments, these catalytic moments, where you decide, let, let's let's jump into that. So you know, the process of doing this was I had to identify what I wanted to do, right? You know, I had this question, didn't have it really well defined, still don't. We'll, we'll talk about the question in a bit too. But part of that was also, you know, in this case, it was a, a referral. It was literally, legitimately, uh, I did this program. This is what I experienced out of that a testimonial was more telling than not. Now, as an American, I also have the juxtaposition of American-based education systems versus, let's say, more international or more continental or European-based education, right? Which was a huge determining point as well. I have to work. I have children. You know, I have have to take care of things, right? And so for me, there's a provision within that that says, how do I balance both? How do I have that work-life academic balance, those three things together? So a lot of the process here was testimonial first and understanding of what this is, you know, talking to Dr. Goodman. I think that was an incredible step to recommend for anybody. If you want to get involved in these things, you have to talk to people. You don't make a decision just by reaching into a Scrabble bag and pulling out the first letter of the university that kind of appears and go, I'm going to do that. Um, so that was part of my consideration process. I mean, Dave, you want to fill in some of, the, some of your consideration for this thing? Because I, I know there was some debate. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... I, I, yeah, it kind of goes back to, I suppose, going back to education initially, doing, first of all, the postgrad in learning and teaching, uh, stepping into the classroom myself for the first time at that point. So I was working with young adults with mild to moderate intellectual disabilities and kind of seeing challenges that were there. Then that led to the kind of completing the next year, which, you know, rounded off the master's there and kind of going, okay, um, you know, will I go on meeting Colin at that point then? And, and uh, Dr. Goodman was, was quite interesting because I got to see a lot of people. I met uh, Bo Zhang and others who were doing some really cool stuff within the space of inclusion and technology. And the question was put to me at that point by Colin and uh, by Dr. Goodman around, you know, potentially joining at that stage, which was like three, four years ago, I think, at this point, uh, considering doing that within um, the within that space. But then, you know, for me personally, that internal motivation and probably my level of confidence and ability and skills were not at a point where I felt comfortable to go into that space. So, you know, the question was around there, you know, potentially joining uh, uh, at that point, or at least applying to join, you know, you know, seeing if there was something of interest from that point, then I'd set up a community of educators that were based around design and technology and getting involved in a crew to about 3000 people here in Dublin. And then from there, again, question came up around you know would I do something around that and research that community that we built up and kind of see what impact that was having and again I just didn't feel 
at the point, you know, I was working uh, with uh, the rehab group at the time. I was working um, trying to get my first kind of step into the, the level of um, higher education, teaching and learning in those spaces too. But it came to a point then where I actually had a conversation with uh, Dr. Yvonne Emmett in the National College of Ireland. And she sat down and she was, you know, just chatting to me about options and progression, you know, where to go on if I want to, you know, step a little bit further on in, in the higher education space. And uh, she mentioned looking at um, the, the doctors in the educational space. And, you know, I went down those avenues and had a look in there. And it just wasn't, I suppose, the right fit for me uh, within that space. And, and maybe that program as well, I didn't suit it. Uh, and then from there, I kind of developed because I built out my application. I built out and kind of really analyzed where I was at. And from there, I was like, okay, actually, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to, to apply. And, and Smart Labs, of course, was, was one that really stood out to me as, like we mentioned, doers, people who were just making impact. And like, I, I use the word fun in a way that probably at the start of this is very naive, but you can see there is a good community there of people. <laughs> it is, yeah, I know. But, but there's an element there of, of getting very much involved in not just your work but other people's work and you know researching together and sharing those thoughts and i think that's something that that made me go for it so i have to say that conversation with with uh, dr emmett was was something that she kind of added that extra push that made me go okay i'm gonna do it and of course it was in the middle of, of lockdown as well which meant that i had time that i wasn't commuting <laughs> so it's the opposite of a car ride it was like i was sitting at home and uh, I think that was important too is I actually had a little bit of space for my mind to be able to go and, and do that um so yeah that's where it ended up but it is an interesting process and it's it's not easy I wouldn't say that it's an uh, like it's a long process like it's months if not years from my case where I was walking it through and making sure I was ready and I think that's very important um that you know although you have these external influences you have people who are encouraging you and you know suggesting things that the decision is yours at the end of the day and I think that's uh, an important mm. thing to really question in yourself. I think you both mentioned a very salient point in there. Is it like a normal, a, 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 in a traditional process from, you know, it, it's not uncommon to go from undergrad straight into PhD or to go from a master's into a PhD. That's not uncommon. You know, that's probably more is not. But, you know, an awful lot of people normally make that decision not actually fully understanding what they're embarking on or the research they're going to uh, like undertake or you know it's it it's not maybe they've not put as much thought behind it as they should now hopefully they have a great time but everyone on our program in particular as you guys have mentioned have, has put serious months if not years of thought and effort behind it because it's such a big commitment and the project they work on it means so much to them that they put this kind of idea behind it so my onboarding was kind of similar all those many years ago it was i i think david i think you introduced me to lisbeth first in the first instance <laughs> i don't know yeah david to do <laughs> if, if so i apologize i apologize it was very Andrew Andrew, Andrew Andrew welcome <laughs> on her yeah but um yeah like i think it was i'd met her there and you know i'd been doing some kind of contract research in ucd so i've been acting in situ i'd been doing the job maybe as a of a, of a postdoc researcher so i was leading research projects in the university and as you guys have kind of mentioned it was difficult i didn't have the credibility to kind of do it it made funding applications difficult you know i think i snuck one or two under 
the radar that they'd approved and like it was been noticed now that no you need to do a PhD so I considered it and off the back of some of the impact work that I did with my kind of charity foundation and all based around innovation in the developing world um, I was asked to write a funding submission for the Irish Research Council based on innovation and new forms of innovation and disruptive technology and that sort so I was kind of I was, I'd love to have done it, but I didn't know if I would have been able to actually do it. So I remember we wrote the funding application, we submitted, and to surprise, surprise, it was granted. So the funding was there and provided for me to do it. And it was like, great, like, now am I going to do it? And it was a hard kind of decision because at that stage, I wanted something new anyway. It was either a PhD or I was looking at consultancy. So I was talking at that stage to a company, a large technology consulting company about working for them. And I distinctly remember the thought process and when I decided what to do. So I was walking to the shop around the corner and I was going to get milk. So I didn't have anything all like, you know, I didn't have my car. I didn't have anything on me. And I got a phone call from the recruiter to say, oh, here's the job offer. Here's what we're offering. Are you going to take it? And without a second's hesitation, my mind just immediately said, no, sorry, I'm doing a PhD. So at that, you know, it was a kind of culmination point. Yeah. I like, you know, I consciously didn't decide. It was like my subconscious decided for me that that's what I should do. So I did it. And now kind of, as kind of fate has it, I finished the PhD. And now I'm talking to that same company about going back, working for them again. So, you know, it's cyclical. But that was the kind of the approach. I wanted to dig into innovation more. I wanted to apply the experience in the background I had in research and academia to more impact-led projects using technology and innovation. And yeah, so that's, that's where it, brought me and i loved every minute of it to be honest uh, that's that's incredible so let's let's wrap this episode up and we'll, you know we can extend this into episode two because i have a feeling there's there's some connected bits and that we need to talk about in terms of advisors and you know the a little bit more on the process side so in summary we talked about passion for purpose what we're going to be doing what we are doing and you know how this is applying in here we've gone through our histories and you know everybody's history is unique it's special it's important to them and in the halls of academia it's important as well because that kind of drives you forward and motivates you we've talked about the what's of a phd why is it different than some of the other things that you can do and you know obviously we've surfaced on some of the topics and some of the process but we want to jump a little bit more into processing, but we're going to save that for So with that, I'm going to break it right here, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to episode one of Two Daves and a Doc, where we discuss the why, what, and how of deciding on your PhD. If you'd like to reach out and talk to us, we're available on Twitter or LinkedIn, and you can find us pretty much anywhere this podcast is sold. Until next time, thanks for listening.